Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Here at Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, my mission is to bring you interviews with a variety of people who do very interesting things and hopefully inspire you, give you those nuggets of information. If you feel like like you need to do more in your career, maybe you feel like I did for so many years that your ladder is up against the wrong wall and you might even be successful. Uh, I found myself sort of stuck in the high middle. I was doing well. Everybody said, wow, look at how high, how well he's doing. And yet at the same time, I, I knew inside that I had more potential. I could be doing something different. I could be more fulfilled. And it took me a long time to take that leap into entrepreneurship and doing my own thing. But now over nine years, I've been working for myself. Uh, I may not have made as much money as always I made in corporate America, but I will tell you one thing. I have been happier for the last nine years. And I know a lot of people who listen to this show are like, yes, yes, that is me. That's who I am and what I need to be doing. So I try to interview entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and even people inside their job who've just found that spark of intrapreneurship and are able to get up every day and go, yes, I am crushing what I do. Because I think now that we've done over, gosh, 370 some odd shows, I think that one of the things that I've learned from talking to so many people who have sort of carved their own way in the world, for those of us who are seeking that, it can be done. And the only way you know it can be done is to hearing from other people who've actually gone and, and created their own path. And so that's what I try to do twice a week with interviews with really interesting people. So today I have Pete Mikaitis, and Pete is someone who I met through his podcast. He has like 300 and some odd shows going strong with his How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, and I was on like show number 17. In fact, when Pete interviewed me, I thought he was like 12 years old, and it was a brand new podcast. <laughs> now, every time that I log on to see like where the ranked shows are, his show continuously ranks in the top 50 business podcasts. I don't know how he does it. I'm a little bit jealous. I secretly probably hate him because my show doesn't rank. <laughs> that high. But uh, I was on his show years ago, and uh, we sort of loosely kept on touch on social media. And he recently interviewed me again for his show. And I said something about when he was on my show. And he said, no, liar, you never interviewed me. So I thought, <laughs> you know what, we're going to remedy that situation right away. It only took me almost four years to get Pete on the show. But Pete, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Oh, thanks, Tom. It feels so so fun to be at the Cool Kids table. Well, you know, you, you probably were at the cool kids table in, in high school. I've seen pictures of you. You know, I was not. So, uh, you know, I invented my own cool kids table where I get to invite the cool kids in to talk about what it is they do in their business life. So, you know, I don't really do long bios. I didn't really tell anybody who you are and what you do beyond just your podcast. So, Pete, who are you and, and, and what's your business all about? Sure thing. Well, well, now you've primed me to be thinking about high school. So I'm thinking about high school, Pete. So well, I guess I'll start there. Um, it's funny. I was not at the cool kids table in terms of like the the super pretty people who played sports and were, and were cheerleaders and were just sort of had that that status as being that's clearly like the A-listers. But by the the numbers of the, the sheer vote count, I guess I was a cool kid because I was elected the homecoming king. In oh, high see, I could have so, predicted that just by looking at a picture of you. Of course you were. 
I built a broad a broad base of support from the marching band kids to the chess kids <laughs> to the honors kids. And, and then it, what, do you, what do you know? When you add all the numbers up, it's like, oh, hey, I guess a lot of people like this guy. It's, so, it's, like, so a coalition, it's like a coalition government in a parliamentary right. system. <laughs> So yeah, even though I, I did not play I did not play football, and but so yeah, so that was my my scoop. But it's funny, it really does start in high school because that's when I decided that you know what I really want to do is be a motivational speaker, and I was a, a kind of a weird kid that way. You know, I wish I had realized when I was in high school that that's what I could do for a living, and no, nobody ever told me that. I'm a lot older than you are, so you know the world was a little different back then. It was you know go to college and get a job and shut up and be happy, but. Uh, you know, I wish that I had realized when I was young that this was even a career. I used to get in trouble in, in elementary school and junior high for talking too much in class. Uh, now, based on what I charge to speak, I want to go like give bills to all my old teachers saying you had no idea oh, what you go. were getting. <laughs> Giving bills. You know, it's so funny. I remember I, I was – you got me going back in time. I remember speaking of giving bills. I – would when I got I got dumped a few times along the way in the the romantic ups and downs of life and and they, whenever they dumped me they were so apologetic and just thanked me for how I was so great and just inspired them and made a lasting impact in their life and was so transformational and they're different and improved and changed and I'm like you know that's what I do for a living right <laughs> like I should be sending you an invoice right. for I, all I this was, time I was your boyfriend <laughs> not your coach that's right <laughs> it, so. So, so that's that scoop. But so anyway, the the story is I, I was really into into speaking. I thought that'd be fun. I was on the speech team, read a lot of books, had a favorite Dewey Decibel number at the library, 158.1, success, psychological aspects. And I would just eat up that stuff. I was reading it. I was listening to audio cassette tapes in a boombox strapped in with a seatbelt in my in my car because uh, I was cruising around in uh, an old school Chevrolet celebrity in, in high school. And so I was into that. But then when I went to college, I also discovered this field called management consulting. And I said, well, that sounds really cool. You, you get to speak, you get to solve problems, you get to be influential, you get to get a nice little imprint on your resume that can take you a lot of cool places. And so I landed, I guess, my second dream uh, was to become a, a strategy consultant at a top firm, McKinsey, Bain, or BCG. And then Bain made my dreams come true. I had an internship there, three years there. Had a lot of fun, met some great people, learned some cool things, but really just felt that that pull, that tug to do what I originally wanted to do as a youngster, which was to do people development stuff. So I was a weirdo. I, I left consulting not to go to business school or private equity or uh, a hip venture-backed startup, but rather to to start my own thing. And and so that's taken a variety of iterations and forms and some some pretty some pretty disappointing failures along the way. But now it's in a pretty good place. Uh, so my my main thing is I'm running the the website Awesome at Your Job and the podcast How to Be Awesome at Your Job which is about to hit the three millionth download. It's pretty exciting. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I help people become awesome at their jobs. And, and mostly when it comes to kind of universal skills like speaking, communication, problem solving, creative thinking, uh, productivity, you know, those sorts of things. I work with individuals and coaching and, and teams and groups and, and workshops and sometimes some keynotes on the big stage as well uh, covering topics of that nature. 
So, you know, you jumped right into it out of college. I mean, I'm again, I wish that I had realized that had been an option for me. I think I would have, you know, certainly had a lot more failures maybe, but also probably learned a lot more along the way. But what is it that you love about this life of entrepreneurship? Oh, boy. Well, th- there's there's so many things. And and I'd say I love I love making an impact in the sense of of hearing from people and how they're transformed based on you had an idea and and then you get to bring that idea to life so it's just fun to create it first of all and then to present it and then and then people experience your offering and love it and are enriched and are transformed in some way in some ways i kind of think about it almost like a chef with those like hd tv shows in terms of they create a, a beautiful dish and they're having fun creating it and then they present it to people and those people are blown away by it. And so, so that's just a whole lot of fun at its core. And then there's all the kind of the, the flexibility stuff, which is which is great to be able to have that opportunity to kind of do what your your schedule is is best to do. I, I, you know, it, it's sort of like it's funny. I remember the first couple of years of, of entrepreneurship, someone would ask me, oh, do you have to go to work tomorrow? And I thought, boy, that question doesn't even make sense to me anymore. <laughs> you know, do you have to go to work tomorrow? I was like, well, I plan to go to work tomorrow. I suppose I don't have to. Um, if I didn't, I would. I'd see less revenue, and I, I want that revenue. Uh, I've got some responsibilities to people that I, I would don't want to let down, but I, I don't have to. I mean, I I could sort of choose to work, you know, whenever and and however and wherever I want to, which I really dig. And then when people talk about like vacation days like oh hey let's do this really cool thing and they say oh no i'm out of vacation days and it's like oh yeah vacation days i, for- I forgot about that concept too you know it, it's just sort of like if something is important i i will I, I will make the time to to get to that thing and and sort of make sure that that work you know fills in around that space instead of you know i've got an arbitrary number of days that uh, i'm allowed to to not be working <laughs> and and so yeah i think that's what i love so are there ever days, though, where you're like, wait a minute, I could have gone to that management consulting firm out of college and, and like had a salary and, and not had to deal with all this BS? Oh, oh, I did. Well, just to be clear, I, I did that for about three years after oh, the internship. Gotcha, and, gotcha. and it was cool. You know, th- there were definitely some some ups, some highs, some some really cool things about consulting that that I liked. And, and indeed, there, there are times I miss some things associated with. But I'd love it if I were surrounded by extremely brilliant colleagues who challenged me and inspired me and, and made me smarter, you know, every day with their enriching feedback and, and <laughs> you know, and and thought provoking insights that would not have occurred to me. Like there, there are definitely some some great things in there that I miss, as well as, you know, the, the consistency of of income, you know, which is great to to have sort of reliably every two weeks. This is exactly the the sum you'll make. Um, but so I dug that. But I really, when I see some of my 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 peers who are you know pretty high up there, you know, in terms of like senior managers or whatever, and just imagine like, oh my gosh, you know, earning three hundred thousand dollars a year is is more than I'm earning currently. Although I, I do think it's in it's within reach, you know, with with some good growth and and continuing to do some smart things and doubling down on on wise opportunities. Um, I, I think, oh man, that would be kind of cool. To, to just have boatloads of cash and not have to worry about whether or not uh, I, I install a, a nice light fixture above our dining room table or if that's extravagant and decadent and unnecessary right now because of our cash position, <laughs> you know, kinds, kinds of things. So that does enter my mind. But then I think, boy, but you know what? 
I really, really, really like not having to work super hard uh, on someone else's timetable on someone else's agenda and just that would... I'd have a hard time being an employee again. You know, I think that it would have to be just like an incredibly cool opportunity doing something that happens to be amazingly awesome that I love and also offers a strong autonomy and flexibility to make it go. So, so yeah, there are times I think, Ooh, that would be kind of nice. But if, when I look at the whole package, I'm like, no, this is the way to go. Well, I will say that, that there's exceptions on both sides, but most of my friends who work for themselves and have found a way to at least get their income up to a certain level where you know they can keep the lights on, uh, they just seem genuinely more at peace with their day-to-day than the people who are fighting the grind. However, you know, you said something interesting that a lot of people said that, oh, I don't know if I could go back to being an employee. I know that I could. I've given a lot of thought to this, and not that I want to. I love what I do. However, if I was your employee, I would thank you every day when I left the office because of the amount of headaches that really come from running your own business and having to be responsible for everything. I would probably hug my boss on a regular basis and just say thank you for dealing with the BS on a on constant basis. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Because I now uh, have the point of view that I didn't have when I was an employee, and that is, you know, what the what the person who runs the business, the responsibility that sits on their shoulders. Uh, I'd be the best employee ever if somebody wanted to take me on, but they would have to pay me a lot and probably more than the market would bear. So I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah, I hear you absolutely. There is a, a lot of stuff, and. I, every once in a while, I, I bump up against it in terms of, yeah, there's a regulatory compliance legal thing that we're going to need you to fill out all of these forms in order for you to serve this client. Like, oh, okay, okay, I will do this. <laughs> so I, I recently had a client that the amount of paperwork that was involved, I'm like, you know, I've given, I've given over 700 speeches. I have never had to go through all these hoops. And it wasn't even like regulatory stuff. It was just their policy because most of their speakers weren't speakers. They were industry people. So they sort of had all this handholding of like, you know, number of meetings and when they needed to prove the PowerPoint and when they needed this and that. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm going to give 70 to 80 talks this year. I'm not even going to think about yours until the week of your speech. But I can't tell them that because they want people to be thinking about it for six months. And it's like, you know, you got to realize that I'm a professional, but I, I went through all the hoops and I did what they needed and it turned out great. They were a wonderful client, but I, I even told them, wow, that was a lot. And they go, yeah, we hear that from the professionals who come through, but we have to do it for our industry speakers. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe you could have like a different policy for the people you're hiring, but. I've begun daydreaming. I don't know if its service exists, but I would love for it to, and, and I guess it's all hinges upon trust. So here, here's a cool thing, p- prospective entrepreneurs, a business to start. I would, You know how you can get sort of temporary employees for all sorts of purposes, whether it's data entry or, or research or marketing, you know, contract, you know, work. I would love it if I could hire a service, you know, from time to time as it was necessitated, necessitated for compliance stuff, you know, some like highly conscientious, persnickety, precise people that I could just hire for like, hey, I got about 12 hours of papers that need attention that I hate giving, but apparently you're the kind of personality who loves that. Could you just hop in and, and make that happen for me. I, I think that business could soar. Oh, I bet it exists. I'm 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 pretty sure that, that that one is out there is like, you know, totally detail oriented anal people for hire. Yes. Yes. Well I'd love I'd love some names. I'd love because <laughs> I am intrigued. 
So Pete, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to be awesome at their job or leave their job and be awesome as an entrepreneur? Oh, sure thing. Well, boy, there's, there's much to say. I'll, I'll try to be succinct it's, here. It's a half hour show, Pete. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when it comes to being awesome at your job, I'm going to recommend, I'll, I'll kill two words with one stone here. It, to be awesome at your job and or pursue your own thing, I think it's best to start first by pursuing happiness. And, and I recently made a course about, you know, choosing whether or not you should leave or, or stay your current job. It's called Do I Stay or Go? And, and so I, I think that's really what it's all about. And, and it's kind of been well-researched that people in a, a happier, positive mindset, I'm thinking of Sean Acor's book, The Happiness Advantage, really, they think better, they produce better, they're, they're more productive, you're, you're having more fun, and not only is life richer, but you are producing better results because because you're happy and and your brain is just operating at such a better place. So so that's where I would start with. I think often we get things a little bit mixed up in terms of which opportunity it has the most dollar signs associated with it. And and really, uh, I believe that happiness is the ultimate currency. To quote uh, Tal Bin Sahar from uh, his book Happier, I think that's so good. Happiness is the ultimate currency. So that's where I would start is to see, you know, what really do you need from a work opportunity to feel happy, engaged, amazing, and then and pursue that, you know, primarily. And then from there, you know, there's lots of skills we could talk about in terms of, you know, time management priorities and, and pushback and feedback and, and learning and growing and reflecting. But I think if you start from that fundamental baseline, then you're in a great direction. Well, and, you know, I agree. I spent a lot of time popping around jobs when I was working for other people. It's kind of chasing the dollar. And towards the end, my last job, the, the lady who hired me knew I wanted to become a professional speaker. And she said, why don't you come work for me? And I'll give you that opportunity. I'll give you three extra weeks vacation where you can go to speak. And, you know, we'll, you can openly talk about it and not have to hide it and just do a great job for me. And I was really, really happy in that job because I was able to be congruent with who I was, uh, as well as serve her company very well. But everybody knew where I was going, and that worked out great till the recession hit, and she had to make some tough choices. And since I was uh, not a hundred percent on board, I was one of the people out the door. But I don't, you know, I mean, it was just the way the the whole thing played out. Uh, it also launched me into my career, so you know, I can't really complain about it. But I have been so much happier the last decade uh, than I was before because chasing the dollar, thinking, "Ooh, that's an extra thirty thousand dollars a year. That's better." It really never was. Mm-hmm. And there's some really compelling research that that shows this is from Daniel Kahneman at, at Princeton back in the day, and I adjusted it up for inflation. And so I believe that the amount is about eighty seven thousand dollars is sort of the household income that once you surpass that amount, extra money really doesn't increase your happiness. And, and if you think about it, I think that totally makes sense in terms of if you're meeting your basic needs and having the opportunity to have a little bit of fun, have a little bit of leisure, pursue some of your other interests and and not kind of being super stressed or worried, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And, and that amount in the U.S., you know, in most geographies is probably around eighty seven thousand dollars. Then uh, above and beyond that, you know, it, it just doesn't register that much in terms of of making you happier. I found that in my own experience as well as uh, in the in the research uh, from Daniel Kahneman and company. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're probably onto something. So what advice do you have for someone who does want to go start their own business? They're, they're, they're awesome at their job, but they're done and they, they want to start something. What would you tell them to do? You know, I think the number one thing is that, you know, your enthusiasm 
for your idea, your, your concept, your product, your service, even if it is tremendous, that is not sufficient for your business to be successful. And you know, I think I've come from a lot of leadership seminars where I was told to follow my passion a lot of times. And, and I did, and I'm glad I did. But I think that it's easy to just conflate or confuse your enthusiasm for an idea with its probability of success. And those are, those are very different. They're interrelated in that if you're enthusiastic and passionate about something, you're more likely to, to persist, to stick with that thing when it's hard, to endure, to, to continue you know, learning, growing, refining, and, and making it go instead of just quitting. So that's really important. That's a, that's a key part of the puzzle. But I would recommend that the first thing you do is, is as much as possible, Get some real validation that the thing you want to put out into the world is a thing that people want. And, and so, you know, I, I've built a few things that I really thought should, you know, be smash successes and made all kinds of intellectual, logical sense to me. And I was really excited about and, and partnered with really brilliant people who were super impressive. And I thought, OK, this, this should be a, a smashing Success, and then they, they totally failed you know, to generate a dollar of revenue. Just no one cared uh, about those things we were, were putting out there. And, and so by contrast with, with this podcast, How to Be Awesome at Your Job, this was – I guess I'd just been beaten up enough <laughs> by, by failures to say, you know what? I refuse to build this thing unless I am convinced people really, really want it. And so I launched three rounds of different uh, consumer surveys – if anyone's interested, I use voicepolls.com, Google Consumer Surveys, and SurveyMonkey. You can buy audiences with that. And said, all right, straight up, I'm going to ask them all these questions. In particular, you know, to what extent are you interested in listening to a podcast that interviews guests that your insights to improve your work performance? All right, zero to ten. And so across the board, I saw that, you know, between, depending on the survey, somewhere between 4% and 12% of people gave it a 10 out of 10 extremely interested. Then I, I go back to my spreadsheets, hey, consulting lives within me, and see, okay, well, well based on, let's take the U.S. and, and how many people are, are white-collar professionals and listen to podcasts and, and are, are kind of at that 4% level of extremely interested. You know, how big is that market size? All right, that is Plenty big enough. <laughs> and and how's the competition? You know, I don't see anything that quite is doing exactly this. Some things that are sort of in the ballpark, but nothing that's dead on this. And and it just made sense that, that it occurs to me that some people who would like to learn, say, how to do better public speaking would also like to learn how to be productive. I think there's a healthy overlap there. And I saw so few podcasts that would have, you know, both of those guests, you know on the same show and it's like well that's unusual because I, I would sure think that there's there's a healthy overlap of, of people who would want to see both and yet so, so few shows are, are are delivering that and so so I went for it and sure enough this has been the one thing that has succeeded beyond my my hopes and expectations and and projection models was the thing that I just steadfastly insisted upon validating and it was totally cool and comfortable uh, just like scrapping aborting the idea if folks weren't going to love it hmm. so you've had success you've had failures you know a lot of entrepreneurs you've coached a lot of people who want to go do their own thing so i i spend a lot of time talking to people about potential and i love the word potential i get excited about potential i think having potential is awesome but 
what I've learned is that potential does not equal results. And in our society, we get really excited about potential. And yet without action, there's, there's nothing. And so there's been a lot of people I've seen who can't get across the gap between potential and results. Then there's other people who crush it and have 3 million downloads on their podcast. What do you think the delta is sort of inside the entrepreneur that makes some people go farther towards what their given potential is where others don't? You know, you know, I'm thinking about my buddy Katie <laughs> from from high school, and she said one of her favorite quotes again and again was that uh, winners pick themselves up exactly one more time than losers. And, and and I think that's that's so true with regard to you know the persistence, you know the action, you know day after day after day, and and I was recently. Recently, listening to a, a fun interview, Ramit Sethi interviewed Jay Abraham, and and they s- kind of put it out there that you know the first time you do something, you should probably just expect to fail, <laughs> you know, and to, and to not beat yourself up about it. And no, okay, the market has told you something. You're going to learn and grow and refine from there. And and I think it's it's so true. And I, I think about. You know, my first podcast, which is is dead, um, and, and how that that did very few in terms of downloads. And, and and this one, which is doing about 40 times as many downloads, is like the first one failed. And and from that I, I learned a lot. And and then I was able to refine and and edit and and things are, are better as a result. So I, I think that's one of the things. It's like if, if you're super enthusiastic, you try something, then it doesn't work out. Are you just like, well, I guess it's over? You know, is, I think a lot of people can can stop right there as opposed to, you know, go ahead and wallow in it for maybe a day, <laughs> you know, and then and then shake it off and say, all right, what what wasn't working there and why didn't it work? What did I overlook? What assumptions did I make that were that were incorrect? What would have been, you know, finer assumptions? What what are people more interested in and why? And am I equipped to to deliver that instead? And so just that that level of of persistence and sticking with it and and pivoting I think makes a world of difference. Well, and early in my speaking career, somebody said to me, "When when are you going to pack it in and go get a job?" I mean, when when are you going to say I'm never going to make it as a speaker. And I said, even if I get a job, I'm going to keep speaking. And I said, because the only thing I know to be true is 100% of the people who quit never make it. And, right. you know, I mean, I just knew that I had to just keep going with it. And and even if for some reason, you know, I stopped doing it now, I, I always will, will give speeches. I love what I do. I mean, I do it for free for the rest of my, if I hit the lottery, I'd go speak for everybody at schools and everybody else for free forever because I just like doing it. But I knew that if I quit, I'd never have a sustainable career. And now people say, oh, you know, you've been doing this for nine years and, you know, you're, you're speaking and emceeing these big conferences. Ooh, you know, and it's like, yeah, because I didn't quit. So I think you're I think you're right on right on the money with that. Well, thank you. So I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go. But first, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So the show is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment training, and guidance to ensure that you'll sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Pete. Hey, Hey. if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Pete, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? Hmm. 
so many cool things. You know, I, I'd say just recently, I was really excited about this uh, this course launch. You know, it's called Do I Stay or Go? And because a, a lot of my listeners were, were struggling with this very question. It's like, I don't know. My job has got some good things, but it has a lot of bad things. And I don't I don't quite know, oh, you know, do I stay or go? And so it was it was fun to to tackle a really tricky question and then to produce something that is is genuinely super helpful for people in, in the course of, of making that happen. So so, yeah, I've, I've been having a ton of fun uh, making that and, and launching that and 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 then learning, you know, it's like the, the the sales, you know, the number of people who enrolled, you know, was it was decent. But I, I was I was kind of hoping and wishing for more. And so that that gets me kind of excited about, well, hey, rather than, you know, being down in the dumps, which I was for about a day, I was like, all right. What uh, what what is there new for me to learn and do and 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 differently to to make it all the bigger and better for when it it comes out next time? So so that's been really fun and 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 people who are there are are seeing some some really cool results in terms of clarity and and actions that are flowing from it. So I'm assuming people who listen to this show will get really excited by a course called "Should I Stay or Should I Go for My Job." Uh, how do they find that? Oh, sure. Well, if you go to doistayorgo.com, you can take a look and you know, take the, the free assessment, which helps uh, zero in on, of all the trade-offs in a job, which happiness drivers are, are most important for you. So that's, that's pretty cool. Like, hey, is it more about the prestige or the autonomy or the flexibility or the cash money or the in, in, engaging, compelling tasks? You know, you know, wh- what is it that, that really moves the needle for you? And then that gets you thinking, oh, hey, how's my job doing on these dimensions? And maybe something else would do better or, or maybe I actually don't have it so bad after all. So, Pete, I absolutely love to ask the people who come on this show about who they admire because we could talk about you and all the cool things you're doing all day long. But I think that great entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to hear the variety of answers to this question. So when you look into the entrepreneur sphere, who is it that you say, wow, she or he, they're doing the cool stuff? Well, you know, I think the people that I'm looking to again and again and again as as role models um, in in the, the world of, of building an audience and, and monetizing that well would be, you know, one, Ramit Sethi of I will teach you to be rich and growthlab.com. I think that he's really a master and has learned a lot and and shares a lot and and is great. And then another one I would say is is Victor Chang over at caseinterview.com. Uh, I've learned a lot from him and and it's cool to see how how he's always figuring out a new thing that that people uh, really can be enriched and, and benefit from. So so I think of those kind of the most directly in terms of, of my world. And then also just, just folks that I, I get to interact with regularly in terms of podcasts. I think that uh, Dave Stahoviak over at Coaching for Leaders and Scott Barlow of Happen to Your Career. I've got a great thing going. And so it, it, it's cool to learn and be inspired from, from what they're doing. And yeah, you know, there's, there's tons of them. You know, I, I think it's so cool to get to observe what folks are doing and see and take inspiration and and know, you know, what's really possible. So the last question I ask is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think we've got to do more than just make money. I think we somehow have to serve our society. And I love to hear what these phenomenal entrepreneurs who have graced cool things entrepreneurs do over the years, how they touch society. So what do you do? Oh, sure thing. Well, you know, in terms of, of donating uh, cash money, you know, I, I think of my, my donation causes as, okay, I would like to, to help those in poverty. 
I would like to to fight evil, <laughs> and I would like to you know support uh, support my my place of worship church stuff. So those are kind of my my philanthropic priorities, and I also do some volunteering in terms of of boards and such. And I think one of some of the coolest organizations, um, oh, oh, let's see. Well, one of them is called. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, give directly. There it is. <laughs> give directly. Um, I love it because they're so data-based in terms of figuring out, okay, if we really want to alleviate poverty, you know, what's the best means? And they say, well, you know what? We're not 100% sure, but we think that direct cash transfers are pretty good. And so they, you could just, as the name says, you can give directly. And so they, they study, well, what happens when, so I give a thousand dollars to uh, be dispersed uh, amongst a number of people in, in, in highly impoverished areas. And so they'll, they do really cool things that wouldn't even occur to me as the need, like, Hey, rather than having a mud roof, I'm going to put up a steel roof and that means I don't have to replace my mud roof every time we have a hard rain, which is multiple times a year, which liberates tons of time for impoverished people to to be with family or to just you know work more or to be in school and, and do you know sort of whatever they need to do, um, you know in that in that way. So so I think that's really cool. And um, and my wife, you know, she's a big fan of oh I need to get the name of this uh, helping uh, an, a nonprofit that she. She's got a friend running in, in Haiti, which is all about helping uh, malnourished children, you know, just getting them fed so they don't die. Um, you know, very, again, very simple and direct, but it's beautiful to, to sort of check out their, their Facebook videos and, and, and see the, the difference. I mean, before and after is just extraordinary in terms of there is the body of a child that is emaciated and near death versus a, a happy, thriving youngster. It's, it's cool to see. Mm. That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of good stuff, and I always appreciate that when I hear those types of stories. So, so Pete, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If, if somebody listened to this and they need to know about more about you or more about how to be awesome at your job, how do they find you? Sure. Well, if you're since you're listening to podcasts, I'd recommend you fire up your podcast app of choice and and just do a search for Awesome Job and you'll see how to be awesome at your job, that yellow background and the the woman looking up toward toward guidance. Uh, you can find me there or at the website awesomeatyourjob.com. That that is fantastic. Well, Pete, I'm sorry it took me three and a half years to have you as a guest. Uh, I should have had you on right after you had me because I think we started our shows around the same time. Uh, but I am so impressed with your success, and I'm gunning for you, man. Oh, thank you. You too. All right. Well, hey, thank you for being here, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every show. If it wasn't for the audience, why would we do this? Uh, if you like the show, I always ask you to jump over to iTunes and leave a review. But even more important, go tell a friend. Say, hey, I listen to this podcast on my run or on my drive or when I'm at the gym or wherever you listen, uh, because that's where most of the people who, who contact me, I ask them, how did you find the show? Almost everybody says someone told me about it. So uh, people aren't searching for me. They're hearing about it word of mouth. So if you like what I do, tell somebody else. Uh, if you want more information about me, you can find it at TomSinger.com. If you want to join the group coaching program, it's PotentialMastermind.com. And then on top of that, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Pete. I know you're thinking, how in the world will you ever find <laughs> somebody as cool as Pete? But I will. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there. And have a great day. 
Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.